Welcome to the City Confessions. I'm Marianne Yip, a native New Yorker, and I'm here to discuss all the thoughts that go to the minds of people living in New York City. Since I'm a native who was born and raised in a city that never sleeps, I come across people who are constantly in a rush. I would like to take a moment to sit down and talk about what's on their minds and what keeps them up at night. So sit back and let's dive into these confessions of people I know and people I just met. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to today's special episode of the City Confessions. If you are watching this on YouTube or video, you can see that my background is my book because today is March 1st and it is the official launch day of my book, Unhinged, What I Learned from Saying It's You, It's Not Me in the New York City Dating Scene. I wanted to use this opportunity to celebrate this beautiful moment in my life. And I thought, what better way to do that than to tie in my podcast with my book launch. This season, I've been launching my episodes every Tuesday and on March 1st falls on a Tuesday and it's a book launch. So I was like, you know what? I need to make this a very special celebratory episode. So hello and that's what we're going to do today. <laughs> so as you can see, I am so, 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 so excited. I honestly cannot contain my feelings. And I don't want this to be a repeat of my first episode of the season talking about the book just because I want it to be fresh. But today I am recording it um, because I wanted to take in this moment and just talk a little bit about where I'm at. So yes, I am super, super excited, but I am also nervous because writing a book is a vulnerable thing. And I think any creative will say that and agree with that because you pour your heart and soul to creating something that I like to call art. Then you put it out to the world to see, to judge, to receive, and anything outside of that is beyond your control. So I cannot control people's opinions about me or my book or my writing style or any of that. And if anything, the last few years, I have learned to truly detach myself from the outcome and detach myself from emotions and feelings because we are not our emotions and feelings. Rather, we experience emotions and feelings and that is all I can say about that. So I will be having a book launch tomorrow. And I think that in itself is also adding to my nervousness a little bit, just because I don't, not that I have never thrown an event, but uh, I'm not a pro at that. It's my first like official event for a while. It's been a really long time since I've done it. I'm pretty much doing it by myself. And there's a lot that can go wrong, but I'm not even going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on everything that could go right and everybody who will be there and support me and all of that, because that's what it's about. It's about gathering people who genuinely, genuinely, genuinely support you and want to celebrate. 
So for this episode, I would love to read the preface of this book as well as a section of the conclusion. I just think it's a good idea to give you a preview of what to expect from my book as well as my voice, my writing style, and yeah, let's just dive in. <laughs> so here we go, unhinged. Here, oh, you can't see, is my dedication. To all the men who swiped right on my Hinge profile and to all the single women who haven't found their match, this one's for you. Preface. I don't even know where to begin when it comes to explaining my dating history and experience in New York City. It's truly been a roller coaster ride and I never thought I would be here today recounting all the men I've met over the two years on the only dating app I took a chance on, Hinge. Hinge is known as the app that's designed to be deleted. I will say from my own experience, I do think it's one of the better dating apps out there. I've never downloaded Tinder because that has a bad reputation. It's known for the hookups. And I've dabbled in Bumble and Coffee Meets Bagel, but they just didn't do it for me. What I like about Hinge is its interface and its focus on prompts, because if you're looking for a relationship with some substance, you're going to want to bypass just the looks and get to know someone for who they are at their core. I was intrigued by all the profiles I came across. The profiles that stood out to me the most were the ones that made their personality shine through. While looks matter, I was more interested in seeing whether we would be compatible, especially if these were prospects whom I would consider meeting in person. And I'm a sucker for witty banter or a clever conversation starters. So even if their profiles didn't necessarily catch my attention at first glance, I will give men with amusing opening lines a chance because I knew going into this whole online dating culture that I will keep an open mind and not be too quick to swipe left. Let's backtrack a little so you can understand why I, a 29-year-old sassy native New Yorker who's always preaching about independence and not needing a man, found myself creating a profile on a dating app, something that I never thought I would have to, to find love. Several years before I was in a long-term relationship with the love of my life, or so I thought at the time. I met him during the summer of 2013 when I was 21 years old at the DL, a lounge that you might be familiar with if you live in New York. It was actually the first year that the DL opened and I will spare you all the details of that evening. But I will be honest that I didn't want to go out at all that night and I didn't expect to meet someone either. I was also in the state of mind of being young, wild, and free. And I had no intentions of having a boyfriend. Out of all my friends, I was more of the anti-relationship type of gal because I loved my freedom so much. And let's be honest, at age 21, who was actually looking for a relationship? I didn't think anything would come out of this summer fling because I was entering my senior year of college and was somewhat done with my party phase. Besides, I was never a fan of long distance relationships or feeling tied down to someone who wasn't even remotely close to me. I attended Syracuse University and he lived in Long Island. So you can imagine how difficult that was to maintain a healthy relationship considering my love language is quality time. But lo and behold, we enter into a serious relationship which lasted a little over three years. There's a lot that I can unpack from that relationship, but this book isn't about the breakup. Our relationship ended because we grew apart and didn't grow together. And quite frankly, I'm not bitter about it at all. The breakup taught me a lot about love, 
about what I don't want in a relationship, about what I do want in a relationship, it made me realize that being alone is actually better than being unhappy with somebody. Most importantly, the breakup taught me how to be a better communicator and partner for someone in the future. I truly believe that people enter your life for a reason, and then the relationship ends when they no longer serve you. This concept can be applied to everything in life, from friendships and acquaintances to jobs and projects, and even to the places you call home. Once it stops serving you and once you stop feeling fulfilled, that's when you know you need to move on. After the breakup, I embarked on my first solo trip to Sweden and dedicated one year to myself. 2017 was my year to be selfish. I like to think of that year as a transformational year where I dated myself. I spent a lot of time getting to know myself by being comfortable in my own company, thoughts, and feelings. Through my solitude, I felt complete as an individual because I ultimately found myself. It was after my soul searching and self-work that I felt ready to put myself out there again, which brings us to my decision to give online dating a chance. Not only since online dating is basically the norm for our society today in terms of meeting someone, but I saw the success in several of my friends' relationships and that gave me hope. My best friend met her husband on Tinder. Shocker, I know. Another one met her husband through J-Swipe and a few others met their significant others on Hinge. I thought to myself, if it works for them, then it can work for me too. I was excited about this dating process and I wanted to have fun with it. Looking back, especially during the first few months when I was on the app, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I didn't know what I was doing and it clearly showed in my actions and how I handled some states and situations. But I have no regrets because they all taught me valuable lessons and the experiences all proved to be useful data for this book. Today, I have over 243 matches on Hinge, not counting the ones who deleted their profiles, found their person or unmatched with me. I say this not to brag, but to give you an idea of how many conversations and men I have come across on the app. Of course, I didn't go on 243 dates, but if I'm going to be honest, I actually can't remember how many dates I've been on because yes, it's been that many. I've heard horror stories from people when it comes to online dating and mostly more from men than women, but I feel like my experience has been more on the positive side. I've never actually had a bad first date. I've had one person who was somewhat of a catfish, but even then I still stuck it out because I'm just too nice of a person to cut a date short, even if I'm not feeling it. I try to still make the most of any dates because if you're already there, why not? I like to think that you can learn something new from every person you come across. So I try to be present despite knowing a guy I'm on a date with isn't my person. For the most part, I had great dates because I try to show the best version of myself. And I actually enjoy the process of getting to know someone new. I've also been told multiple times that I'm a positive ball of energy and that my energy is contagious, so it wasn't common not to have a good time with me. Yes, I know that sounds a bit egotistic, but ladies, it's important and totally fine to acknowledge what you bring to the table. I've also come to realize that the first three dates are technically bullshit. Most first dates are at a bar, and once you have a few drinks in your system, you're a little more loose and comfortable. This setting makes the conversation more natural and effortless. Let's not forget that the dark lighting and intimate vibe make you feel closer to the other person and the date usually ends on a positive note. The second date is like the first date except you're confirming whether that interest and connection is still there. The third date is when you decide if you want to continue to see this person or not. 
If they normally make it past the third day, then they qualify to be a running candidate in your own version of the bachelorette. At least that's how it played out in my mind. It's totally normal to casually date and juggle men because why put all your eggs in one basket? Am I right? But in my experience, I found that there were normally two men, three at most, who I would see at a time, all of whom I had more than two dates at this point because otherwise it would be too much to maintain. Dating is like a job and you have to actually put some energy and work into it. And oh, who has time for that? Dating more than one man also proved a bit difficult when it came to remembering all the details like how many siblings they have, where their family's from, what their favorite movie is, and etc. The common timeline for my dating history would go like this. I would either have two to three guys that are competing for the final rows. A guy would win my first impression rows. Thus, I would see him exclusively into the relationship fizzled. Or I would go on this streak of one to two off dates with these lame ass men and nothing would really stick. If you can relate and have been on the same boat as me, then you might sometimes think you're the issue. It's natural to question what's wrong with you, especially if you haven't met the one after X amount of dates. Let's not even go there with the comparison game because it doesn't do us any good. President Theodore Roosevelt even said, comparison is the thief of joy. And though I didn't know him personally, I think he was onto something. You have to remember that while your friends are getting engaged, married, or popping out babies left and right, that doesn't mean that's where you should be right now. You have to also remember that that doesn't mean they're happier or more successful than you. You have to remember to stay in your lane and that their timeline isn't the same as yours, and that's okay. Most importantly, I'm here to remind you that when it comes to men, remember, darling, it's them, not you. With all that being said, let's actually dive into the juicy details where I unpack different experiences with 12 men who made enough of an impression on me, both good and bad, to make it into this book. And there you have it. That is my little introduction to my book. I decided to read it because I feel like when I say it's a book about dating, some people might feel like they don't want to read it because they're in a relationship or they just don't find any relevance to it. But this book is about my dating experiences, but more than that, it's about my self-discovery journey. I feel like this took place when I was 26, turning 27 to 29, and those years are so critical in adulthood. It's after you turn 25 when you get a better sense of who you are, but you haven't turned 30, so you're in this like weird phase of almost finding yourself but also claiming who you are choosing how you want to show up in the world choosing who you want to be and how your actions will align moving forward and I also talk about therapy because I enrolled myself into therapy when I was 28 I think so I talk about it and I would go to therapy then I would go on these dates so like you can see the I guess the lessons I've learned and how it bled into the way I approach relationships. Um, so I think a lot of people can find this relevant in their life, whether or not they are in a relationship. And I guess my biggest confession right now is that although I am, you know, nervous for it to come out, which it already is out, but I'm actually so proud of myself. I feel like I've done a lot of amazing things in my life, but I've never taken the time to truly sit down with it, to pat myself on the back. Like I've never really celebrated me. 
I've always felt like that was just who I was. I, I usually run on a checklist. I like to check things off my list and I just like to move on. And I, I can say like, yes, I've done this, right? Like, yes, I've been running this podcast for three years. Yes, I um, have interviewed amazing guests, but I truly don't feel like I've sat with it and felt it, like felt those proud moments. And when I read this book for the first time, not from an editor or an author's point of view, but as a reader, there were things that I wrote that, not that I didn't remember writing, but I was like, oh, I felt that. Like that was good and that was needed. And I think that's why I'm so proud of it. And I wrote this book for me and it's always just been on my bucket list and I will never get this moment back. I will never launch my first book ever again. So I refuse to just glance over and to pass this moment and like work on my next project. I want to celebrate this because it's so important to be able to take a step back and look at it and say like, wow, like I did this because I know the future me is going to look back and be like, yes, girl. Like when you were 29, you wrote this and you published it and then you turned 30 and it's just such a beautiful moment that I want to have for myself, but I also want to share with you all. And I want to just read one more section for my conclusions to close this episode out because I do think it will be helpful for a lot of you. And um, my goal is always to, you know, inspire and motivate people in, in one capacity in one way or another. And I think this specific section that I'm about to read um, I really took away from that if I wasn't the writer. So let me find it. Okay. Before deciding to write this book, I always said I wanted to make the most of this life I've been given. We hear it time and time again that we only have one life to live. And it is often said that we need to appreciate every moment because we can't get them back. But if I take a moment to truly wrap my head around that reality, I think, holy fuck, it's so fucking true. I wake up every day with a fire in me and I am consistently motivated by accomplishing what's on my bucket list as well as my fear list. I am driven to release all the what ifs, to get out of my comfort zone, to experience everything there is to experience and to just live my fucking best life. It's funny that I also adopted this metaphor that we are all writing a book in our lives before actually deciding to finally write this book. I used to say I want to have stories for days and I don't just want my book to have exciting chapters, but rather I want to expand my chapters into volumes and a full series. Take a moment now and think about your life. What's your book about? What stories stand out to you? How many chapters have you written? Can you write more? And that is what I will close you out with. I hope you all get a chance to read my book to support me because this is my baby and it means so much to me. And any support, whether it's purchasing the book, sharing it, telling a friend, writing a review, any of that is so greatly appreciated. And I send it all back to you. So thank you for listening to this special episode and me reading my book out loud for the first time and sharing it to the world. I will have the links and everything in the description. We will continue the regularly scheduled episodes next week with another guest. But for now, I just want to take this moment in. And thank you again.
So I will see you all next week. Have a great one. Bye.